This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Um, apologies to anyone that thought they were going to get this on Thursday morning. Um, everyone was a bit busy yesterday, so Friday morning it will have to be. Uh, we come from you live almost and direct from one of our favourite venues. We are stone's throw from Brentford's new stadium at Lionel Road and we are pretty much on the site of uh, where Brentford Football Club was formed in 1889 which was the Oxford and Cambridge pub which was right next to the predecessor to the current Kew Bridge. So steeped in Brentford history here and Brentford future uh, and you know after the weekend we just had where we went out of the FA Cup and we missed out on um, Manchester City coming to Griffin Park you know it's, it's been a fairly up and down week or so you know we, we a little over a week ago we beat Aston Villa uh, we were on a high then half time at uh, the, um, the Liberty we were on another high we were buzzing we, we, we thought you know we were 45 minutes away from making quarter quarter final history then at the end of the game we were a little down in the dumps it has to be said so we've licked our wounds we've reformed and we've got <laughs> ourselves back together again um, I'm Dave Lane um, Billy's away for half term with the kids down in Brighton at the moment um, it'll be back on Saturday for the game obviously and to my left we have have GP in the house. We have Gary Paul. How are you doing, Gary? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, mate. Um, thanks for the invite. You've uh, you had a tooth out yesterday. Yeah, so I feel like I've been waxed in the face by Deontay Wilder. You know, tooth's gone. I've been swallowing blood all night, and yeah, it's just not very nice. Yeah, it sounds disgusting, mate. Did the tooth fairy come last night? No, not at all. I had to pay for it. You know, I'm not sure that's how the tooth fairy didn't work like that when I was a kid. No, no, you got, you still got tooth left, though, have you? Yeah, I've, yeah, there's plenty left. You know, what's one tooth? It's... 
and sitting opposite me is Robin Hood. Uh, Robin joined me on uh, Love Sport on Monday night. We we did the radio show there. We 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 really did rip the the back end out of the Swansea game so we won't be talking about it massively tonight we will run the uh, the fan clips again just in case you haven't listened to that because there were some really good points that were raised but uh, how the last, how's the last week or so been for you Robin? It's been a long week been a tiring week thanks very much uh, as Gaz said for the invite um, apologies to all those who are eating your dinner or breakfast watching this uh, listening to this rather um, but yeah it's been, a, it's been a sort of a strange week lots of stuff to do with work but um, quite excited for the uh, upcoming football this weekend Hull are the visitors to Griffin Park, yes. And Dan the man, we have Daniel Mann. He's back, he's, 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 a, he's a fairly regular now, he's been on a, f- a few times. Yeah, welcome back, Dan. Thanks for having me, it's always a pleasure to uh, come down and do these podcasts. Love coming down and talking to you guys and hopefully have some, maybe a different spin on things because I'm not as hardcore as maybe as some people are. But yeah, always good to come down and chat Brentford and have some beer. Quite a- so as I said, yeah, we're at one over the eight, which is uh, right on the banks of the Thames, right by Kew Bridge. This is a pub that's going to be pretty much on the doorstep of, uh, of Lionel Road or the Brentford Community Stadium or whatever it's going to eventually be called. Um, I don't know if anyone saw the, uh, the brilliant um, Brentford drone footage that went up at the weekend. That was, uh, you know... Yeah. It shows the the stadium really is coming on leaps and bounds, and there were some great still images. And there's a lot of people that are non-Brentford fans that keep, you know, they tweeted me over the weekend going, "Blimey, have you seen your new stadium?" And it it looks really impressive. You know, you can't really get the scale of it at the moment. You know, but you know, hopefully, once once you're, you know, we none of us have actually stood next to the stands or been been close to the development site um, since the um, the groundbreak um, so it's difficult to work out how how big these stands are but uh, yeah I'm, I'm kind of excited to see the the strange shapes kind of coming together because you know and I've said this a lot I, th- I think it's the irregularity of the shape of it that's going to help make it you know, um, an impressive home for us. It's not a square, it's not a cube, it's not a shoebox. There's, there's not been a word invented that describes what shape it is, it really isn't. Um, it's, almost, it's almost symbolic of the way in which we do our transfer dealings and scouting and things like that, just not quite the same as everyone else. It's, a bit, it's, it's like a stealth stadium. If you, if you can see a stealth fighter, it's kind of irregular angles and, and the body work's a bit weird. So um, once it's clad, it might be stealth and hopefully, yeah. Uh, so, so there you go. So what We'll, we'll, we'll kick this one off. We'll go back to Liberty Stadium. We'll go back and listen to what the fans of Brentford and Swansea City thought immediately after the game. We are a totally game of two halves. First half, we were all over them. And we were just saying in the, uh, in the half-time break, were we to get a second goal early in the second half, they would have crumbled and we would have been safe and through. I don't know what happened. We were unlucky that that goal hitting Daniel's head. But where are we going to go with this? This is a very, very disappointing result. 1,300, 1,400 Bs, travelling down on the free coaches. But uh, Swansea have played a really, really good second half. They have been all over us. They deserve the win. It was a game of two halves. We were in it until the sending off. But um, they were better than us in the second. They were very good. And we couldn't handle that lad. And our cheeky little... James. Yeah. yeah. And our, our cheeky little let's not play a right back game didn't work against him, did it? Let's face it. <laughs> well, they, they sussed it out. Well, the first half we battered them. The second half they changed it up a bit and they knew how to change it up a bit. And we said it and we tweeted out, you check the besotted tweets, we said, 
even though we were 1-0 up, Swansea technically are a very good side. We still need to be on our A game, even though we were winning. And they, uh, to be fair to the Potter, the Potter, he, the second half, he knew what they needed to do. We just didn't get out of the blocks second half. Don't know what the Swansea manager said to his players, but whatever he did, it worked. They weren't the same team. We never matched that, that, that fire. It's bits in the bum, basically. Don't know what else to say. Could have been so differently. We dominated so much the first half. Perhaps a little bit too frivolous with the chances we had. Maybe took her off the ball, going into the second half, maybe. Um, but Swansea came out, I've got to say fair play to them. Took the chances that they had. They were a different team. We never matched it. Good night, Vienna. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, hey, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, I felt, I felt they did to us what we've done to so many teams this season and it just wasn't our day. It's not the end of the world. We, we played all right, but we'll come back next week. We'll be better. We'll win next week. It's not the end of the world. And to be honest, at half-time, I thought, really, apart from a second goal, we were home. I hate to say it, but I thought we were, we were verging on being home and dry. Um, it just... The thing is with Swansea, we saw it at our place, is that, you know... And Swansea are a bit like us, aren't they? They, um, they, they can turn from looking like lacking confidence to suddenly being full of confidence and the minute they're full of confidence they're very very hard to to stop and um and in a way they kind of reminded me of us against Blackburn um when that once they got you know once they got into it and um the first goal you know uh, could he have put it around the ideally puts it around the post it doesn't come back and hit him which is what I understand happened um so that's disappointing um but you know the momentum switched really quite quickly after that me and definitely the better side in the first half and uh, yeah, and then I think we were like a different team in the second. We seemed to sort of play a bit further up the pitch and start hitting the ball a bit more directly to Dan James. And uh, your guys just couldn't cope with his pace. Well, it'll be interesting to see who we get. You know, I think obviously we're hoping for Millwall at home. I thought the Brentford fans came in good numbers today. I thought it was good, good, up, you know, good uh, atmosphere first half. I thought we fully deserved the goal. I thought it was brilliantly taken by Ollie Watkins. But there you go. You know, it's uh, it's a game where. It's a, it's a game that I thought we could come here and win if, if things went our way, and they, and they didn't in the end. Uh, for, first half, we fully deserved it. Over the 90 minutes, Swansea deserved it. So uh, hopefully they draw Man City in the next round and they get absolutely annihilated. <laughs> so I mentioned in the intro that uh, the new stadium seems to be coming along um, in leaps and bounds, and there was um, some great footage of the uh, BFC drone. Uh, the other th- important news, there's been a couple of important bits of news regarding the new stadium this week, not on the construction side, more on the naming and the atmosphere side. And we'll cover both of those bits really in this, in this same segment, to be honest with you. Uh, so first and foremost, the club's announcement regarding um, a change of heart on some of the names of the new stadium. Uh, about a month and a half ago, or just before Christmas, uh, Brentford gave the first wave of names for the lounges for the executive area and a few fans um, you know if you're not aware of this you know took to Cumbridge to some, to some of the names um, and uh, we, we approached Cliff Crown uh, and, and said you know we didn't feel that we thought that the, um, the heritage and, the, and the, the history of the club was being adequately reflected in their, in their you know pr- proposals for, for these names you know we didn't work we didn't work out 
um, what Grand Union Canal really meant to, to Brentford Football Club. Okay, it's more a, more a Brentford thing um, than anything else. So we put a presentation together. There was um, the, um, the Griffith Park Grapevine. There was Bias. Uh, there was a few historians and obviously Besotted. And um, it was very well received. We put a lot of work into that. Um, we canvassed uh, a lot of fans and we kind of felt that what we were suggesting was something that the fan base um, really cared about and, and it was, they were issues that were important. Uh, and as, as I said, you know, fair play to the club. They, they've gone away and, they, and the board, they sat and um, they, they, they've adopted some of them. Um, not all of them. They've, they've, they've stuck to their guns on, on one or two, which is fair. You know, we, we could we couldn't expect to you know for them to you know see everything from our from from our um, viewpoint. But the most important ones, uh, which is includes the boardroom, which will be a, one of the premium um, lounges on on a match day, um, is going to be named after Harry Curtis. And Harry Curtis, for those that don't know, is uh, Brentford's greatest ever manager. There was uh, he was in, he's been indoctrinated into the Brentford Hall of Fame. He managed Brentford between 1926 and 1949, and he took Brentford from the third tier to the very top of English football, including in 1930 when Brentford won every single home game it's something that has never been repeated you think of some of the most amazing teams in the history of the game you know the man cities in recent times the man united in the, you know a little while ago um, these clubs that dominated the english game including liverpool they, they still never won every league game at home in a season so it's something we may never see again i thought this year man city stood a good chance of it but no there's always something that happens <laughs> and it and it shows you you know that that was just what an amazing achievement achievement that was um <clears throat> so uh harry curtis uh his family uh have been in the loop i've made contact with them um and as i, I as i said on the uh, on the radio show on monday i spoke to harry curtis's granddaughter when i found out that the club were gonna do this and she literally cried her eyes out and the family are so very proud of um of their great granddad and you know the, the of harry curtis in their family and you know the fact that Brentford Football Club has, has done this, it means a lot. So um, the other names, briefly, is uh, Oxford and Cambridge, um, which I mentioned on the intro again is, is the, the name of the pub where Brent, the Brentford Rowing Club uh, decided to, to pick football, association football, as their winter sport. And Brentford Football Club was founded because of the meeting that took place at the Oxford and Cambridge. So that is going to be another um, another significant um, premier um, level uh, lounge. And there's there's one or two others. The 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 Orchard, which uh, which was um, which Griffin Park was before it became Griffin Park. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna be another one. There's a railway which the club still wanted to, re- um, to retain because of its location, lo- lo- its um, proximity to the railway lines that surround Lionel Road. And there's, there's quite a few of them that's still going to be named. So it's, this isn't this isn't over and done with. This isn't a finished conversation. But what happened? What's happened is you know at least we we've we've you know got the club on our wavelength of thinking first about the history and then um, making decisions based on that. Um, Gary, do you know? Do you think the club have made the right decision? Is is that something that was important to you? Yeah, it was important to me because I do. You know. 
one of the things that you do some people that ha- are kind of critical of stadium moves is that oh everything's changing everything's changing these are the people that you've really got to get on side and I felt that the names that they'd chosen for the runs by not reflecting on Brentford were the type of things when people will think yeah that's changing and is am I part of this anymore and, and this is like a dialogue that does go on now you know we've we've the club have obviously realised that you know our hearts in the right place. We're suge- making these suggestions for the for the right you know the right reasons. We're not we're not trying to undermine them. We're we're, we're literally saying right you know think of how you know think about this too you know. And they've gone okay yeah these are really good ideas and, and the presentation um, that, that Trevor put together what I, I thought was exceptional. Um, so you know, Robin, talk me through that announcement from your perspective. From my perspective, I think it's fantastic. Um, I think. It's, what you pointed out there is that it, it's, it's fans of this club um, pitching what we think and what we feel is truly right in terms of the way in which we are naming the various aspects uh, of our ground and various aspects of the, uh, of the boardrooms and things like that. Um, what I like about it is that it wasn't one person's idea. You know, as you've rightly said, Griffin Park, Grapevine Bias, us here at Bizotted um, and some historians, people who really do care about this club. Um, put together this presentation and the club have, uh, have acted on it I'm, I'm really looking forward to it I think it, it, it's, it makes something that could seem quite sort of corporate and structured and rigid seem quite sort of homely and warming um, I think it's the absolute right move, right move from the club and I'm really really um, you know maybe I'll end up in there one day you never know <laughs> yeah I mean you know again just to, just to sort of like reiterate the, 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 the you know the, the, the feelings that we, we know we put forward is that it, Brentford is very proud of it's history. Yeah. There's been a lot of years where we've kind of tread trod water, and you know there are seasons that we probably you know we will forget in time. <laughs> but there's this this part this part of our history which needs to be celebrated still, and to ensure that the you know the history is kind of caps encapsulated in the DNA of the club going forward. So you know what, what did you make of it? All? Yeah, no, no. I mean, for me, you know, it's it's great that you know the club's embracing the past in order to move forward, if that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, happy with, with everything that's gone on. It's great that everyone's got together and they've done it in a constructive manner. No one's gone and, like, you know, set fires to things and, you know, everyone's been very, you know, professional about it all. And, you know, there haven't been, like, Twitter spats and whatever between different groups. Everyone's kind of come together. The only thing I will say is that I would like to see Gri- a, a Griffin Park something to do with Griffin Park at the new stadium whether it's something named after Griffin Park or maybe some photo somewhere you know that that for me that'd be that'd be a nice touch but yeah just everything that's been said I totally agree with and you know more on that point there is a you know as, as you may be aware that there's kind of a lot of fan consultations going on at the moment there's lots of subgroups which I'm not part of now um, I was back in the day I kind of let other fans take over for the moment and, and get an input. Um, I thought it was important that it wasn't the same fans all the time putting ideas. We're, we're always there to back up and, and support. And in this case, you know, we felt that there was a, you know, a, a subject that really wasn't being addressed properly and, and we'll step in. But, um, you know, to what, what Dan just said about, you know, um, the Griffin Park being taken with us, I know that Ron Cooper heads up um, a part of that heritage group. And I've been, in, I've been speaking to Ron and um, his... 
he's kind of um, his sons at the moment is uh, documenting a lot of memorabilia and a lot of artifacts that have been donated to the club or, or in the club's possession, and there that that's very much that's very much um, on their agenda. And I've spoken to Ron about the um, possibility of a Brentford Museum. Because obviously, you know, through doing my, my publishing of the Brentford books and my publishing in, in, in football books, uh, I speak to a lot of historians. And there's um, a, a Brentford museum at some point, whether it's at the new stadium, it doesn't. I, in my in my opinion, it doesn't have to be there because you know it, it could be near a Griffin Park, it could be anywhere in Brentford. But as long as there's somewhere that I that is almost a shrine to Griffin Park, it it won't be lost. And it's the same with like blue plaques or plaques to to, to commemorate um, special places Brent, where Brentford's grounds were, where Brentford's changing rooms were, where the where Harry Curtis lived, uh, that, those kind of things. So that heritage is, is very much on on, on the on the um, agenda. Um, talking of that's talking of the past. Talking of the future now. On Saturday, we see the launch of um, the West End Alliance. is a is a, another independent group. They're not a pressure group as such. There's not like another BU or it's not another bias. These guys, again, we're not part of this. This is these are new. This is fresh blood. They are um, they've tasked themselves with looking at the atmosphere um, first and foremost in the West End, which is been designated the area which will go safe standing if legislation changes. So um, we'll talk about the West End Alliance and we'll talk about the future and the atmosphere at the new new stadium. But I'll pass you over to Jordan at the West End Alliance and he'll explain more about the WSA. Hello, I'm Jordan from the West End Alliance. We're um, an informal community who aim to bring like-minded fans together who want to create a real vocal atmosphere at the new ground, bring these people together, get them in the same area and really get behind Brentford vocally. So Matthew Benham has spoken of his vision of wanting to create a red wall of noise at the new stadium and the three three and a half thousand capacity west stand beyond the goal is the area that's been earmarked to make this happen. So if legalised, this stand has been designed to incorporate a safe standing. So it makes sense for our most vocal support to gather in this area of the ground. On Twitter, I think a few people have seen us. Um, a few misconceptions are that we're not an we're not an ultras group. We don't want gimmicks, drums, clappers, goal music, all that sort of stuff. We want to create a real atmosphere, not a manufactured one. And we think that the best way to do this is to bring like-minded fans together, the, our vocal support, get them in the same area of the ground, get it going from there, and let it build from build and evolve. We are a completely free, independent, separate group moderated by a few keen individuals. Again, as I said, our aim is simply to create a real atmosphere at the new ground. And we want to do this by bringing like-minded fans together in the same area. The club are aware of us and we have had positive dialogue with them. So we ran a survey a few months ago, had a really good, good turnout on the survey. Lots of ideas coming from fans. How can the club help us? to create this atmosphere at the new ground. What do people want to see at the new ground? What do people in particularly want to see in the West Stand? We fed those ideas to the club with a really positive response. They're on board with the idea. They want to make it work just as much as we do, which is really great stuff. 
We're going to be around the ground on Saturday launching. We're going to be distributing postcards, which explain in a bit more detail what we're about. Our whole motivation for this movement stems from the fact that this stadium move is the biggest thing to happen to our club in recent history. And we only get one chance to make it work. We don't want the ground to be soulless. We want it to have character, to be unique, to reflect Brentford as a football club. And that's down to us as fans to make that happen. This ground is where we're going to be watching football for the rest of our lives, probably. So it's up to us to ensure that it's a success. So if you want to get involved, follow us on Twitter at WestdamBFC. Drop us a message if you want to come and if you're able to help us on Saturday. If you see us in and around the ground, come up and talk to us. Thank you. So, West End Alliance, we are all a little bit more enlightened about what the WSA are. I know there might be other things called WSA, but we haven't got to go, we haven't got to go there. West End Alliance, Gaz, what, what do you make of the thought of standing somewhere else and singing your heart out? Well, that's, I, think it's, I think it's a very good move. I mean, we've all had, I mean, we can all remember the games at Wembley and places like that where all the people that like to generate an atmosphere have been dotted around in different pl- parts of the stadium. So for some, for someone like the WSA to get together and organise, get all those guys in one part, and I think they can create a wall. Yeah, and you know, again, it's 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 new blood, and and that that excites me. It's just the fact that you know these these are people that stand at the back of the Elian Road or are dotted around in the other stands, and they 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 take they grasp the nettle and they thought right, okay, like you know, instead of sitting in the wings whinging or expecting someone else to do it or griping, they 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 thought well, okay, we're we're gonna we'll take this on ourselves, and you know, thankfully, um, there's you know they're going to launch on on Saturday. And I'm sure they'll get a lot of support. I still need to work out what they're going to do in terms of uh, I- incorporating people that want to sit elsewhere that want to sing still. It's, it needs to be a stadium-wide thing, but obviously it's clearly best to focus on what is going to be the, 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 the designated singing standing area. That That is going to be the Brentford end. So, you know, obviously other other people can feed off of that. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Um, well, see, um, you say that, that every... Yeah, Sorry again, but you say that the um, they it has to be a stadium wide thing. Every single club, every single stadium has that designated area. If you like, it's not necessarily specified, but that's just where people seem to gravitate towards. And then from there, the atmosphere seems to spread out. Um, so I'm really I'm 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 really pleased with that something like this is happening. First and foremost, um, just want to say I thought Jordan uh, expressed himself fantastically uh, and has said some and said things the right way uh, and made some very very valid points about the atmosphere at the. Um, at the new stadium I think it's going to be a fantastic movement that's going to hopefully um, encourage some of the younger fans um, and encourage new fans as well uh, I think it's important that stuff like this happens because if it's not too grandiose not, not too bad a way of saying it um, Brentford fans aren't getting any younger uh, and we need to sort of create this new generation of fans that will, as you say, be singing at, singing at this, um, singing at the new ground for the rest of their lives. Why did you have to look at me when you said that? <laughs> I think I think that was petty. I think that was I think that was a bit spiteful, if I'm honest with you. Um, the, the the words the words in what, uh, you know the words that jumped out to me for, from Jordan was uh, we're not looking at bands or, or clappers or, or gimmicks. Um, we we want that stadium rocking, and we we don't want to become a laughing stock. We don't want to be another one of these uh, happy, cl- happy clapper 
stadiums where you kind of you know you your people come away cringing. But what what, what, do you, what you know what do you look forward to about moving to the stadium? So I think looking forward to this new time. I think you know obviously looking forward to the fact that we'll have an area where people can sing, go nuts, and create that atmosphere, and then hopefully it will spread towards the rest of the stadium. You know where I am in the paddock. You know it's it's generally the older crowd. You know who can't sing and go nuts. You know and they just want to watch the game, and that's fine. That's no problem with that. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to have almost like what happened at West Ham where you've got a situation where people want to sing and want to express themselves, which is fine as long as it's done in a positive way. But you don't want them mixing in with the people who just want to sit there and watch and watch the game. You know, they're hardcore supporters, but they're not that way inclined, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So, I think, hopefully, as I think what's been said before, if we can get a section going and then hopefully we can, it will spread out and get the atmosphere going because we don't want to have a situation like West Ham when we've got fans fighting with each other because they're in the wrong section but we don't, also don't want to be in a situation like MK Dons where it's just a soulless place and no one enjoys going there so yeah so also no gimmicks you know it's, it's like you know he, he said we're not an ultra uh, organisation we're not going to get you know everyone being given a you know, great big bloody flag and waving it like you see at Arsenal. Um, you know, it, I think it's important that we we do this the right way. And it seems that Jordan and you know um, the people that are doing it with him seem to have um, you know the the right ideas. Uh, or, you know, they're on the right wavelength. Yeah. Uh, no, I think the West End Alliance is fantastic. Um, I, I, clappers annoy me. Uh, the flags annoy me. Um, it sounds like this is a, from, from my perspective anyway, this is a a real movement from real football fans to create a real footballing atmosphere at the new ground uh, and hats off to them and I hope it goes really well Yep, so I'll be looking out for my postcard hopefully I'm not too old to be singing in the new stadium go on. Um, I'd say wise Dave, you're wise, not old Old and wise, just yeah. fine. Get, getting, I'm getting, I'm getting older, but I don't think I'm getting any wiser. Oh, people putting their hands up. Well, I would have said distinguished was the way no, I'd use. No. I mean, going back to that flags issue, I don't want to see what Arsenal do with the flag waving malarkey. But I think we definitely should have fan, uh, flags put up. There are some already flags up at Griffin Park, so I think we should try and get that. Uh, you know, get that at the new stadium as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's previous two points before that about my age, you can both go bore your heads. No, 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 no more, no more. <laughs> Something that's uh, come up on the besotted radar is, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit kind of not nervous to suggest this, but it's it's a word or it's a name that kind of it it causes some people a lot of grief still and I don't want to open old wounds but there was an interview with Mark Warburton that appeared on um, a podcast and a, and, a, and a blog called Open Goal um, and um, a, an ex-pro a guy called Cy Ferry, Simon Ferry played for, played for Swindon Portsmouth Dundee and he's still playing for Peterhead now um, he's interviewed Mark Warburton and it's about his whole career actually so it's a really it's a really interesting listen um, I'm going to play some clips from that in a minute um, and I've, I've picked out a few little cherries from what 
is actually, uh, you know, covers his playing career. He covers his Brentford career in far more detail than these few minutes that I've I've taken out. Um, and he talks about Rangers, and he and he and he talks about you know Matthew Benham, and he talks about he talks about quite a lot actually. It's quite it seems it's quite an open chat. It's probably one of the better ones I've I've well it certainly is the most open I've heard him, the most relaxed I've heard him um, since he left Brentford talking about all of this. Um, so I, I spoke to I spoke to Simon Ferry today, and um, I said, "Do you mind if we, uh, you know, pick a few bits out? Because there's there's some some topics that you know that was a, a little bit kind of like I, I didn't know this. So uh, you know, I, what we'll do now is we'll play play the clips. We'll come back, and then we'll just chew the fat for a few minutes over a, a few of the angles that Warbs covers in this. I was trying to get Matthew Benham to buy Watford. So I brought Matthew in to see AD and he, I think when Brendan came in, he met with Brendan. Um, Malcolm Mackay was there, Sean Dyche was there, Dick Bate was there. Some standard of coaching there. Yeah. We had a group, we had a really good yeah. group. And um, I was trying to get Matthew to buy, but Matthew's a Brentford fan through and through. So I tried to get him to do that. So he knew about me, we got to know each other. I have enormous respect for him. And he offered me the job to go and work at Brentford. And I was there for, for nine and five years. Really How good, good was that going in and coaching first team players? Can you still make first team players better footballers? No, yeah, of course you can, yeah. absolutely. But I was one o'clock in the morning. I got the phone call at one fifteen on the internet, trying to learn the names of the squad. I didn't know who they were. <laughs> really? So yeah. Gary Alexander and Charlie McDonald, and I'm trying to learn the names. And but you turn up there, and players, you know, players want uh, an organised session. They want to enjoy what they do, and they want to come away feeling they've learned something. So make the sessions bright. Make them bright, give them a purpose, tell them what you're trying to achieve. So I think we went in there and did that. The boys really enjoyed it. I think we were 18th at the time. I think we finished 10th in the league. Uh, and it worked out really well for us. But I wanted the job then. And Matthew asked me to go sporting director in charge of the first team in the academy. And in hindsight, it was great. At the time, I was, I was peed off. I wanted that, uh, I wanted the managerial job. Uwe was got the job. And uh, had a great relationship with Uwe. You know, we'd done well. And uh, he just missed out in the playoffs. And then he went on to, at the time, Wigan were... Championship, we were League One at Brentford, and he went on to Wigan. See, when you're not a sporting director, do you need to bite your tongue a few, a few times as well? No, you don't. That's you can say what you think, can you? You've got, you got to say what you think. If you want a yes man, you, you've got no Get chance. Me in, huh? Well, no, it's, it's right. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying, if I, if I sit here and I'm helping you, and all I'm doing is going, no, you're right, Simon, no, you're right, spot on, absolutely right. No, no one wins by that. So I would always tell him what I think, but do it in a respectful manner. Did you always think or know that when Uwe was gone, the job would be yours? No. No? No, it was Sunday morning. I was due to go to a game, I think Arsenal were playing at the Emirates, and I was ironing a shirt. And the uh, phone went, and it was Matthew, and literally Uwe had gone on the Thursday, and uh, he said to me, uh, do you want the job? That was it. No, I didn't interview nothing. No, he said, would you like the job to become manager? I said, yes. He went, good, okay then, come in and we'll talk about your contract. And it was literally done. Was, that, was the butterflies gone? I was buzzing, no, buzzing. Put the phone down, I was probably buzzing. So I'm in a pair of shorts, ironing a shirt, just, you know, giving it a high five, and Richie's thinking, I'm... Obviously smoking something, but uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, no, it was great, great, and and, and and real thanks to Matthew because you need you need an owner to trust you and give you that chance because I I'd no I had no history in the game I had no first team playing career etc so for him to do that was a was a brave call got promotion we had a, we had a really good run and you know little things happen the first game it's nil nil at home to, I think Oldham and he, you know it's a really and the, the fans are thinking who's this guy here and we scored 88th minute. You know, I think oh, it might be Dougie, I can't remember. Or yeah, Douglas, uh, and uh, we scored and we went on a run. And over Christmas, we, we played 6 1 6 and, you know, manager of the month, team of the month, everything else, and it was flying. And uh, we got promotion with Wolves uh, and we came up. And again, then when we come up, 
We were everyone's favourites to go down. Smallest budget, one of the smallest budgets in the division. We were favourites, everyone phoned me. Malky, everyone said, just survive. AD, just survive. But that was a message to the players. If you say someone just survive, or just I'm saying just do enough. So Matthew, the owner, put in a really aggressive bonus scheme in place, like a city bonus scheme. Boys loved it and responded, and we just missed out in the Premier League. But tight ground, really passionate crowd, great crowd, and teams hated it, but they underestimated us. And by the time it was Christmas, it was too late. We, we, were, we were there, and we were hurting them, and we were, we were flowing. And I think we, us and Bournemouth, out of all the 92 teams, we had the fewest, fewest players. So good staff, keep the players fit. But I tell you the team now, you, know, you can go through it in Bidwell, Odebayu, Button, Tarkowski, Dean, etc. Dougie, Judgy, Pritchard, Dallas, Jota, Andre. You can go through the team, because mm. we only used, I think, 15 players. So that was great. They were fit, they were tight as a unit. And that's why I left, because the owner wanted to bring in, you know, he spoke about more players coming in in, in January. I want to keep that unit really tight. He's the owner, he backs it with his, with his money, and uh, it was his, his prerogative. But had we gone up, I would still have left. And had I, had I uh, taken those six, seven players in January, then I think I would still be there now. So there you have it. Um, that was Cy Ferry, who uh, met Mark Warburton to, to talk about life at Rangers. Um, at Brentford and starting at Leicester City. Uh, it's on open-goal.co.uk. Uh, we'll, we'll tweet it so you can listen to the, the full interview. And as I say, it's, it's worth a full listen because you know, I've just picked out a few bits. I, did, I didn't want to pick out all the stuff that goes through stuff that we've talked about infinitum for the last three or four years now. You know, but there's, there's a, a couple of things there that I thought, oh, and one of them was... He took Matthew Benham to Watford to, to, to potentially buy, buy Watford. That came as a bit of news to me. Would that come as a shock to you guys? Yeah, completely. And it does make you think, if um, he had a bought Watford, where would we be now? Where, where do you think we'd be now? Um, well, I can't imagine that what's going on, sort of like 50 yards that way would be going on. Um, would we? I, I, we're a football club in London, so there's probably always going to be some interest. And would it necessarily be good interest, i.e., people interested in the land rather than the club? So those things always do play on your mind. Yeah, I mean it's worth considering, but you know I, I haven't asked that question necessarily. What what would have happened just to to blow smoke up his ass? Because that's always the insinuation. But we have got. The, best team in my life so um, and we're moving into a new stadium so you'd be a bit perverted if you didn't think it was a good thing so you know what 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 stood out from you the other thing oh actually before I ask you this question the other thing that stood out from me you mentioned two players Gary Alexander Charlie McDonald we've come a long way we've come a long way and that's not to say that Gary Alexander and Charlie McDonald in particular weren't good servants for us uh, when we were the Barcelona of the lower leagues we're now um, the uh, the best team in the championship, according to some people. Um, no, I, th- I, th- I think it was. I think it was a fantastic interview. I thought. Um, uh, I think if you get the opportunity, definitely go and have a have a watch of it, have a listen to it. Um, the stuff about him buying Watford, it, uh, I think Gaz hit the nail on the head. Um, I certainly don't think the stadium would be happening. Uh, I think there's, like you said, there's going to be. You know, we're a London club. We're in affluent, relatively affluent area of West London. Um, it's going to be. There's going to be some interest, but to have a fan as our owner and a fan who's willing to put his money into the club <laughs> and invest in the long-term future of it is fantastic. Uh, with regards to the Charlie McDonald and the Gary Alexander, I can still remember as a, as a 15-year-old king, kid singing Charlie, Charlie on the stands. It's brilliant. 
Yeah. Uh, we have come a long way. We have come a long way. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it, and he also says at the end of the end of it, and I guess where I cut it, that if he'd have taken on those players, you know, it was the like infamous transfer window. Again, not going to go through all of that again, but I think the, uh, the, the soundbite at the end is if, if he'd have done that, he feels he would have still been at Brentford. Oh, that that it's it's almost so you know it's you wish it would have happened but it didn't you know we need to move on you know I mean the the main thing that I got from that interview with Mark Walton is that you know he knows his stuff and he 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 sticks to a certain philosophy you know he's he says things how they are you know but he does it in a way that people respond you know he doesn't go in there and smash windows and you know gives the Warwickings people you know it's very collaborative. You know, and, and that I think really shown shown from that shown from that interview, and um, yeah, and it, it's a shame he's not still with us. But I think you know he did so much good for our club, and we're I think we're indebted to him for that. Yeah, look, don't, don't don't get us wrong. You know, there's a lot that he will never be able to talk about. As far as I understand, there's some non-disclosure agreement or some there's something an agreement that both parties have had that means it won't ever get personal and it won't ever get you know like the the, the dirty washing won't be aired in in public. So. It's probably good that you know both sides. Well, that Warbs is kind of tipping his hat to, to Matthew Benham still. There was one other thing in the um, having watched the entire um, interview. He did mention how the people said to him how Brentford was so much less direct when he took over, and I didn't really consider us to be a side that played direct football under Uwe Rossler. So that kind of I thought. Really, I didn't actually. That hadn't something that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I, I mean, I, I thought when Rosler took over, it was the start of Brentford with Shea Logan, and then you know we were we were starting to play out from the back. Um, and then the other thing that kind of uh, I, 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 you'll you'll listen to this if you listen to the whole interview, you'll hear that there is a, a bit of a, a kind of. A, a, it's a bit of a, a moment where he's saying that he, he didn't need a lot of players at Brentford, and he, and and he and he thought that it was better because of that, and and then he said at Rangers he didn't have enough players, so there was kind of like it, it, that didn't that didn't sit easily with me really, but you know, hey ho. Agree with what Gaz said there, but what I would say is that um, I don't, I certainly don't agree, do agree that I don't think we remember us being particularly direct under Rosler. We had players like Shea Logan, Jake Bidwell joined on loan that season. Um, who had that ability to sort of bring the ball out of defence. Um, I think given that we'd been through the era of Andy Scott, we were that was very direct football. So I think comparatively, Uwe Rosler's football with Andy Scott's football was far less direct, but I still think there may have been... Maybe we were just looking at it from a, an experienced Brentford fan, fan's view and we'd seen that change and then Warburton's football took it to another level in terms of playing out from the back and playing, out from the back and playing it on the deck. So... There you have it. As I said, I don't don't really want to open old wounds. Um, it's, it's well worth a listen. Uh, there is quite a lot of interesting details and facts there. So, Dan, last word on this? Not really. I mean, my main thing is like, I hope that he does get a job somewhere. I think, you know, he, he's clearly, you know, if you go back to the interview, he clearly knows his stuff. You know, he knows tactics and how to deal with you know professional players so I hope he gets a, a job somewhere and he can build rebuild his in commas, rebuild his career you know and, and do well for himself so we're waiting for 
double chips to turn up and we've, we've gone properly exotic with the bar snacks tonight. Chips, fat chips, skinny chips and deep fried halloumi. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be properly unfit for the weekend. We won't be, we won't be playing, we won't be playing. So, uh, so what is happening on Saturday? We've got whole city coming down to Griffin Park and uh, they beat us fairly comfortably up at their place, the KCOM, um, before Christmas. It was in the middle of our stinky run and, uh, you know, it was in the middle of their really good run. And uh, Hull has been, a, a, has been a, a real case of two seasons in one. They, they look relegation, relegation fodder um, and then they look like they're going to be playoff challengers. And at the moment, they're, they're flitting between the two. So we're not really quite sure what we're going to get on Saturday. So if you don't know what you're going to get, you need to go to an expert. And Billy from his holiday has tracked down Bobby Hadcraft. She is a, um, a blogger and a, and, a, and a podcaster and she knows everything there is about the, how, the whole Tigers and how Brentford can avoid getting mauled by the Tigers on Saturday. Over to you, Bobby. Five from the Hive, Hull City. Hi, I'm Bobby Hadgraft, I'm a student from Hull and I've been supporting City since 2007. I travel up and down the country and I've even been to Europe following the Tigers. Hull were as good as dead and buried early this season. I remember you losing to Forest at the end of November. 23rd in the division, propping up Ipswich you were. You've since played 14 league matches and since then you've won eight of them, drawn four and lost two which at one stage it saw you within a sniff of the playoffs. What's brought this dramatic turnaround? I think the turnaround has been brought about by Nigel Atkins' perpetually positive approach. He's active on Twitter and engages with fans, and it's something that not many managers do in this league. And he he applies the same in the dressing room and to the players. Like he, he, He brings about... Uh, a positive environment and he always picks out the the good elements of the games for example when we lost 3-0 to Reading when we were in the depth of relegation everyone was questioning Nigel how can, how can you take anything good from that it was a six pointer um, at that time I was thinking League One is definitely on the cards however I mean, I mean, I even lost faith in him, but he's managed to turn things around from that. And it's not only for the heroes like Jared and Camille, um, but it's players like Kevin Stewart who seem to have disappeared for us. Um, I would have never chosen them in a starting eleven, and in, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind if he, he departed. But he's been a he's been a key man in the midfield this season. Of all those results, I'm going to predict the most satisfying was the mauling of Leeds United at Ellen Road. What is all this mauled by the Tigers nonsense? Leeds was 100% one of... It was a game I'll always remember. It's one of the best games I've ever been to. Um, It was just a huge upset and one that I really didn't expect. I mean, it was in the middle of of our unbeaten run. But it, that that is when I, I assumed it would end, to be honest. Um, as for the mauled by the Tigers chant, I think the idea behind it is that if it's not bad enough already losing, 
it's just making it even more unbearable. The chant, the actions, it's, it's just a bit, I think it's a bit too much for the away support or the home support, if in Leeds' case, anyway. Um, it isn't a new chant, it's actually one that's resurfaced. I remember uh, singing it when I was quite young. But honestly, as a Hull City fan, you don't really get the opportunity because uh, it's not very often we beat teams by... Well, we beat teams, never mind beaten by 2-3, 6-0 in Bolton's case. That was a, a match um, that was very appropriate for. However, with all good things come the bad things and at Villa away, um, we got a bit overconfident um, and we were up 2-0. Early on, so everyone naturally started the gestures, the chant. Um, however, it then was 2-1, 2-1 becomes 2-2, and, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. Uh, and the worst was definitely Blackburn away because it, it was a shocking performance from us. and We lost 3-0, and I had to sit there and listen to Mauled by the Rovers echoed around the ground and with the gestures and everything, and honestly, I've never felt calmer like that before. Jared Bowen with 16 goals and Fraser Campbell with 10 goals are leading the whole charge this season. Who's hot and who's not for Hull this season? You mentioned Jared and Fraser and obviously they're our hottest assets at the moment. Um, Jared's already beaten his girl tally from last season. He's now on 16 as opposed to 14 um, from last year. Uh, his confidence only grown and I, I imagine that is in combination with the constant support from Atkins and he's got he's got a real belief in younger players for example um, academy prospects which is Brandon Fleming and Dan Batty have had chances to start this season um, as for Fraser he's, he's just a really reliable player he hasn't quite got the skill of Jared but he's hard working and passionate and he gets the job done other players um, Camille Grzycki, his name has been thrown around all over the place this season as a as a real star man. Um, he's had a complete attitude change. He was quite negative last season um, and people expected his departure in the summer, assuming he wasn't happy here. However, he's proven to be a very important player. Um, he scores five goals and... Um, in, in games where he has inevitably gained the points. He scores goals when he needs to. He can outpace the majority of players in this league and he comes on and I think he, he poses a real threat to the opposition. Um, those who haven't performed for me this season, we got Chris Martin on loan from Derby um, in summer and I was really excited about seeing him. Um, however, he's been incredibly disappointing and uh, he just he just hasn't delivered, really. Uh, the only thing we've really got from him is penalties. But as for skill and, and his finishing has been less, less, less than impressive, really. The relationship with your owners, the Alams, doesn't seem to be getting any better. What's the latest? The most recent breakthrough with the owners has been the reveal of a new crest, um, which will be put into place next season. And it sounds like a small thing, but it's been quite a big topic at the club because ever since the proposed name change to Hull Tigers, um, this crest has been seen as 
kind of part of that regime of um, strip away the history and and just use it as a brand um, because obviously the, our name is not on the badge and that's what everyone wanted. Um, so the club actually arranged a, a panel of, of supporters and local figures and I was lucky enough to be on that panel um, to choose the elements, design the new crest and it's been received as very popular. A poll actually said 75% of people um, re really prefer it to the previous and uh, are happy with it, which is a relief for me anyway. Um, and I mean, our attendances are still incredibly poor. Uh, the KCOM feels like an empty shell most of the time. Um, for example, last Tuesday, Rotherham at home, there was 10,000 of us there in a stadium that capacitates 25,500 people. So you can imagine that it's, it's not a nice environment to, to watch the football, especially compared to um, the kind of attendances we've had in recent seasons, being in the Premier League with our FA Cup run and Europa League um, experiences. Uh, but this is mainly down to ticketing prices, as we don't accommodate for concessions, uh, which is absurd, really, considering it's a necessity in the Premier League. Um, but I've heard that new ticketing prices are um, in the pipeline, and I, I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it because there's been a lot of promises at the club that haven't been kept. But you know, we can only hope. But at the moment, unfortunately. A concession against, for example, Chef Wednesday the other week would be seen to pay £24 regardless of their age. Saturday sees two teams who need to pull off a load of wins together to have even the remotest chance of bagging a playoff place. How do you see this match panning out? Give us a score prediction. If you'd asked me um, a few fixtures earlier, I would have been quite confident that we'd... Um, we'd pick up the three points at Griffin Park on Saturday but we've recently lost to Derby and drawn with Rotherham after being 2-0 up and our unbeaten form that we ha that we had when we beat you 2-0 at home has dwindled to be honest um, and looking at your results 5-2 against Blackburn and 1-0 against Villa I'd say it's going to be a tough one for us especially with, when you've got players like Neil Morpe who is seems a real threat with 18 goals and 6 assists he'll definitely be someone that I'll be keeping my eye on um, we're both arguably safe and really playoffs are written out for both of us um, so I'd say one all would be a result I'd accept um, I'd, I'd love to nick the three points but away at Griffin Park one all I think would be reasonable yeah I just hope it's an exciting game uh, I'll see you at Griffin Park on Saturday up the Tigers <laughs> So we're going to wrap this podcast up now. It's been a, a probably a fairly short and sweet one. I think it's been an interesting one because Robin's on a bit of a promise. So um, we've had we've had some really good. We've had a few nice drinks at one over the eight. I'd, I'd always say try this place before a Brentford home game if you're kind of if you want to wander down and see how the new stadium's coming along. Um, we've got the Express Tavern that's across the road from here. Brilliant, brilliant, real L pub. I have to give them a mention, but one over the eight is, is the one because it's on the site of where we were formed. I won't say it again tonight. I'll bore you with it more <laughs> next time. So thanks, thanks to Bobby for her thoughts on, on Hull City. 
Brentford, it's a bit of a tough one for us, really, because we need to bounce back from Swansea. You know, the, the game at um, the Liberty had been built up as, you know, one of the games of, you know, the, the recent, our recent history. To get to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup would have been an amazing achievement. Although it wasn't much of a cup run, it has to be said, we'd beaten Oxford and Barnet. Um, so it, it wasn't like 1989 when we'd, have done, you know, we'd actually won six games and won in a replay and, and, and what have you. So that would always go down as the cup run because there was lots of rounds and we, we got to the quarterfinals, we played Liverpool at Anfield, never to be forgotten. But bouncing back against Hull City, it's quite important actually because the last thing that we want to do, you know, we're in February now, we've got the, the season finishes early May, there's a fair few weeks of, of league action now, that's all there is. And, you know, we don't want the season to just peter out and die because the crowds will, will, will nosedive, um, the players won't be incentivised. I think they will. I think, I think what we've seen in recent weeks suggests that the players are, are pretty up for it. They weren't just playing because of the FA Cup run. They, they seem to be enjoying their football. Um, we're learning quite a lot about ourselves. We're learning quite a lot about some of the players now. Sergi Canos has come to the fore again. Um, we've got a brilliant uh, midfield pass partnership um, with the general and the Romain Sawyers we've got a really exciting new formation which we you know we will see tested at the weekend we we you know Konza got his red card at, uh, at, at Swansea he's got a one game suspension we're not quite sure whether Dow's guard is fit whether he's in contention we'll see we'll see what happens so there's there's, there's, there's quite a lot riding on on Saturday's game um Bobby Bobby was quite happy with a one-all draw. Personally, thinking we need a little bit more than that. I think, you know, a win might set us up for quite an exciting little run. You know, if we, a playoff place isn't beyond the realms of possibility. Why, why just write it off as folly? Just... Just see how see see how the games go. Get out there, beat the Tigers. We we need we owe them one. You know, we they they beat us. We we need to show them we're a decent team. Robin, Saturday, what are Brentford gonna do at the back? We we I, I can't see him changing the the five. I, I can't see him reverting to a four. So, you know, how do you see it playing out at Griffin Park? This weekend, um, I agree. I, I can't see him reverting to a four, um, not just because of the loss of concert, but we don't seem to have that sort of cover at fullback to be able to play out and out, right back and left back. We've got Moses Odebajo, Barbe can play at left back, but if you take Barbe out, then we're losing a centre half. So I don't certainly don't see him changing the system that much. Um, he has got very limited options. Uh, the first name that comes to mind is Mads Beck Sorensen. Um, I think he it's difficult though because with with Mads as far as I know he's left footed and he's a sort of an auxiliary left back at times as well Uh, and with Concer he's on the right hand side of that three so I'm going to be interested to see how he how he sets up um, that back three because Jean-Vier is such a solid rock in the centre at the heart of that back three Um, it's going to be an interesting one I think I think we're going to concede (coughs) at least one goal uh, whenever you disrupt the centre halves, particularly uh, ones that are capable, um, with a goalkeeper that's got a few mistakes in his locker room, um, it's. It, I think we will ship goals, but I think that the way we're attacking and the way we're playing going forward, I think we'll be we'll be all right. 
Yeah, no, I think that's the, the the element that kind of gives me the confidence on on Saturdays. Okay, we had a we had a shit forty five minutes second half second half, but we had a brilliant ninety minutes against Villa. We had a great first half against Swansea. You know, we were found out second half, but but they had the ammunition to find us out. Have Swansea got that player? That I mean, um, have Hull got that player that's going to cause havoc, like like Swansea did? Unfortunately, you know, we we were undone by a player that was at the very very top of his game. Dan, Saturday. It's, it's important that we just don't start settling for second best or players take their foot off the gas. We need to be on that same form that we saw against Aston Villa, same form that we saw against Blackburn Rovers. Is, there, is, is, is that under any doubt or are you, are you, are you confident those players are going to start aiming for those, you know, those, those heights again? I think so. I think, you know, I think, you know, Things would have been said, and hopefully we need to, you know, we need to use that game against Hull and, and try and salvage something from the season. You know, maybe we could use this game and go on a run, bleed some, you know, new players, some of the B team players in. You know, there's there's there is stuff to play for. There, we can we can cause an upset. You know, there's plenty of options we've got. You know, go on a run, try and get us high up. You know give those young players some experience in a controlled environment you know there's so much that we can do you know in theory in theory we're not going to go down so let's be brave let's try and do something a little bit different you know that's what i would do mads beck has got a lot of opportunity here i, I, I think he we we have to play him um we have to find out about him more we have to we have to see what he's capable of whether he's found out or, or whether he, he actually shines in this situation because you know as, as Dan rightly said we're not we're not going to go down um, we're probably not going to go up barring some sort of miracle so we need to we need to find out about one or two players you know the, 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 there is a, there, I guess there is a question mark over Mads Beck you know he's obviously rated he's come out of the B team he's a, he's a first team player he's been in and around the first team for several weeks now now he's been given a chance um, you know I'd, I'd love to see Barbe being offered a contract between now and the end of the season that's one thing that you know I don't I don't pray I'm not a religious person but you know I, I, I literally you know I hope that happens but um, Mads Beck do you agree that he, he needs to be thrust in there now well yeah I would I think the this is the ideal time I mean I know people talk about a run to the playoffs we're too far behind we could probably win a lot of games but we're relying on catching up a lot of points on a lot of teams above us so I don't see that happening um again he looked fine in the um when he did play the game in the cup um I think this is the perfect time for him to come in it's a home game against Hull and you know they're brilliant runners just about come to an end so what should be an even game and this is a game where he can prove himself yeah the last thing we want is the, the the season just to peter out really and like no one be motivated or incentivized to come down to griffin park you know it's our penultimate season at griffin park we've only got one more to come we need to make the most of this you know we're in the championship we've got a great team you know it's it is it is relatively exciting times we know we we 
even if it's a top 10 finish you know for us to finish our fifth consecutive season in, in top 10 you know I, I, I could only have dreamt about that 10 15 years ago so I, ne- I never thought it was going to happen so you know let's let's get things in perspective um, so get your asses down to Griffin Park on Saturday for the, the whole Tigers let's go around the, let's go around the table very very quickly and um, get a score prediction Gaz it's a hard one games get hard, always hard to predict but I think after we got t- tonked in the second half on Saturday we're going to win 2-1 Dan prediction please 2-1 just as what Gaz said 2-1 Mr Hood I said on the radio 2-1 um, I think that uh, I don't know the science behind what happens when a, a tiger gets stung by a bee but um, I think we're going to st- I think we're going to sting him 2-1 uh, it'll be a tight game it will be tantalising at times lots of T's in there um, but no 2-1 2-1 bees personally I'm going 4-2 Brentford <laughs> so I, I think I think there's goals there's goals to be had here yeah and uh, there you go I'm probably going to be wrong as I normally am and uh there you go. So anyway, so we're sat here, one over the eight, right down by the river. We are having a great time. We've had as many different cooked <laughs> chips as you and potatoes as you. We haven't had jackets. No jackets, we had buds, no yet. Jackets. We had no, yeah. yeah, well, we, we, I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have one for the road, and then I'm gonna get home and edit this. So, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back at Griffin Park for the usual post-match podcast. And all that's left for us to say at one over the eight in Brentford is... Come on, you The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.